Mornings. Time is now eight minutes past two o'clock and you're listening to the 123 Show. My name is Noreen Mir and I'm delighted to be joined by the one and the only Andrew Dembina in Hong Kong. Andrew, it's great to speak to you again. How are you? Good to speak to you too, Noreen. I'm, I'm, I'm well, thank you. I'm, uh, I'm sporting the last of the a quarantine beard, which a lot of guys have been, uh, have been going for, I think, in these times of not having too many appointments outside, if that happens to be the way your, your work life is going, as mine is. Explain, um, to, and, us, uh, explain to us how the quarantine beard works. I mean, uh, is, it meant to, <laughs> is it meant to scare the virus away? Or, I mean, how does it work? <laughs> oh, I, well, I, it, it's, I'm not sure of the medicinal value. It's more just a fun thing to do, Doreen. As, uh, you know, as, we're, as we're running out of projects, with excess time on our hands, um, I just want to give it a whirl. I've probably grown the largest um, face of hair that I've had for um, uh, ever, uh, which took about five weeks. But it, but it's digressing from the point, and you simply asked me how I was. Hairy faced would be the short answer. And how, how are you, Doreen? Yeah, I'm great, but in comparison, I haven't been able to grow my quarantine beard. Um, well, at least. Ah, uh, well. Yeah, I know. You win some, you lose well, some. Yeah, yeah, tough luck. What's a, what's the female equivalent? Maybe maybe sideburns. I don't know. Well, you know, all women have a bit of sideburns. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Okay. I've been growing that. Oh. I suppose you don't really get rid of your sideburns as a as a lady. Yeah, sure. I mean, maybe some do. Some... I'm not not judging. Some 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 prefer to be so... sideburnless. Well, something to do, isn't it, Noreen? Exactly. Well, back to today's uh, <laughs> yeah. chat. Uh, yes. A bit of Tuesday chat. A bit of food and drink update. Uh, what have you got for yeah. us this week? Well, like last week and maybe some other weeks before, I'll just begin uh, for, I mean, we've heard the news report that was on just before uh, uh, our chats began. But it really, until things do change, it's still the second week uh, that nothing has been promised. Although we've had some hints from the chief executive who always uh, has a Q&A st- uh, session and uh, gives a little statement on the state of affairs uh, every Tuesday morning, and she has hinted, as I think we heard an excerpt, that uh, that there might be some uh, lifting of restrictions, but she won't be, uh, you know, cajoled into actually saying what those may be. People are speculating that it might be uh, groups of eight people, which will mean the same thing in uh, on re- in restaurant tables just in time for Mother's Day, which is uh, uh, coming up for the weekend, which exactly. would be handy. Yeah, but um, uh, whether that happens or not, we've been uh, instructed to remain patient, so we will be dutiful citizens and do so, I think, and wait to see and keep our fingers crossed that uh, that bars open, which are still closed, and that restaurants may be able to have a little more business in there. How? I mean, off topic slightly, but are you, are you feeling quite positive at the moment that things might be sort of on the way or not, uh, or not sort of counting your chickens before they've hatched sort of thing. Oh, I definitely feel much more positive. I mean, before I was positive, but then sometimes I would think, oh, well, if the rest of the world isn't okay, how might we then be affected? But then I always remind myself, you know, we should remind ourselves how lucky we are to be in Hong Kong, really. It's one of the Mm. safest places uh, to be. Uh, People are are, are vigilant. I think people are sort of mindful of of personal hygiene and and how to distance, uh, physically distance themselves. Having said that, I mean, I I live in a, a Central Western Western District uh, in Kennedy Town, and I've noticed actually uh, with, with the with the number of coffee shops and bars um, which are, have mm. remained open, uh, people still uh, during the quarantine period they've still been been out and about having drinks, um, and so I, I suppose uh, I suppose my point is, you- sorry, go on. 
Do you mean do you mean alcoholic drinks or just drinks just any sort of drinks? Uh, so, socializing. Uh, yes, socializing. Uh, alcoholic drinks. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So well, that's yeah. I mean, that's the thing, really. Restaurants uh, do are licensed to serve alcohol, so um, people are simply going to restaurants or, as you say, cafes as well, where uh, where there is an alcohol license, have a have a drink there. So I'm not sure. Really, I suppose bars do function primarily 90, 80 or 90 percent of the, uh, you know, the customers are there primarily to drink. So it's uh, may, maybe the, the thought was that you get people clustering together a little more densely. And yeah. Obviously, some bars have dance floors and where, where on, a, on, a, on a weekend it will be really shoulder to shoulder. That's I- a small, was, a small difference. I was going to say, yeah. I fluctuate between giving them the evil looks, thinking, oh, you know, here I am stuck at home and you guys are out drinking, uh, to, yeah. to, oh, I'm quite jealous. I wouldn't mind having a drink myself with my friends. I miss them. Um, so well, there's that. I'm yeah. Like, the, the, the week, the weekend's just gone. I have to say, I, I noticed that on, uh, uh, on Larmor Island where I lived that people, uh, and across all nationalities, including Hong Kong Chinese, who are often labelled thing, you know, some of the most vigilant in the world, taking care to wear masks and so on. Masks were off on a lot of people, and I think we've seen uh, those of us who look at social media pictures, particularly of Sheko. Oh, Sheko! The shocking um, picture of Sheko. Yeah. It was packed. <laughs> I'd never seen it that busy before. No. <laughs> No, and I couldn't see a mask in sight there. And that was, and that was parents with children, you know, responsible family units going around and not wearing masks. But back to, uh, back to food, food and drink talk, um, about what's going on in Hong Kong. I mean, um, restaurant news, something that I mentioned, um, a month ago was that there were middle priced, mid priced and higher end priced restaurants that had got together and there were 150 of them doing a campaign called United We Dine. This has gone quite successfully and it was supposed to end at the end of April. But like um, like something else I mentioned of a restaurant, Jimmy's Kitchen, that was staying open an extra month, so is the United We Dine campaign. It announced uh, last week that it will go on till the end of May. Now, for those who can afford it, this offers a, uh, a chance to have a good meal at roughly 25% off um, the price. And uh, there were, as I say, 150 eateries that originally took part um, with special set menus that offer better value than norm- in normal times. Uh, there are about 80 of those that are still on board with it. So um, there is the um, uh, a, a range of restaurants from middle price to the higher end price across Hong Kong in different neighbourhoods. And uh, it's worth having a look uh, at www.unitedwedine, that's all one word, .hk. A few of them offer the extra value of having a drink thrown in, or some of them are saying you can pay a cheaper than normal price for drinks, etc. It's um, something where people have come together to, um, as there were not uh, no certainty on when restaurants would resume normal service to do something to give a better value and get more more people in those tables united so, we uh, dine yeah um and and all you know a lot a lot of uh, urban areas there are no um there are there are, there are none on the outlying islands that i'm aware of but, but, but in most urban areas there are restaurants listed so that's good news and um as a person that receives a lot of press releases from um individual restaurants i've been getting a lot of restaurants putting mother's day menus for this coming sunday so let's hope they do get some 
good custom. And fingers crossed once again that there will be some lifting of restrictions. Judging by the pictures that we just talked about of beaches and hillsides um, that, that I've seen, uh, people are eager to go out. So, um, so Mother's Day should be something. Uh, would you would you still stay at home? Do you reckon, Noreen, Mother's Day for you, having being being a mother yourself? Yeah, I'm not sure. Usually, we just do pancakes in the morning. Um, so I yeah. guess we'll be yeah, we'll we'll definitely be staying in. But then we might just yeah. go for a little hike, um, and maybe mm. then go to my grandma's house. And so I guess yeah, we oh, won't be nice. eating out. So we'll probably just be cooking in. Yeah. Yeah. Normally, normally I would go out with uh, my my wife because I've got a son as well. So it's her. She's one mum, and then another mum is my wife's mother, who's in Hong Kong. And we would normally go out all of us together. But um, I don't. I think we're still not feeling relaxed enough to to do that this year. I agree. Um, I, th- I think so, it's. I mean, some people, uh, you know, if they fill up for it, then they they should. But I think it should, mm. you know, it should be staggered. You know, bits of us should go out, and bits of us should stay at home. I mean, not bits yeah, of us. <laughs> yeah. Some people. Yeah, no, no, it makes sense, makes sense. Yeah. Well, next up from me, I'm going to get a little bit current affairs-y here. Um, international political posturing has recently spilled over into the world of food and wine in Australia. Uh, you may, I don't know if you heard this story, Noreen, but uh, the, the Chinese ambassador, uh, Cheng Ying Ye, in Australia, warned in an Australian newspaper interview last week that, that if Australia continues pursuing an independent inquiry into the coronavirus, um, then it would spark a Chinese consumer boycott of sales in major Australian exports, and those include beef, seafood, and wine. So um, and that's that, 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 would, that would affect Australia quite a bit. Um, and uh, Jing Ye added... That, um, that there might be other trade repercussions as well. So China actually ranks as Australia's most profitable wine market in the world. Oh, um, really? In the, yeah, the, la- the last 12 months that ended in, on the 31st of March, Australia exported in Aussie dollars 1.2 billion Aussie dollars worth of wines to China. Uh, they do include, though, in that figure, Hong Kong and Macau, but China made up the bulk of that figure, 1.2 billion Aussie dollars, which is... 5.97 billion Hong Kong dollars going to China, including Hong Kong and Macau. So that would be quite a hard hit if they follow through with that. Um, sticking with wine and China in a, in a different uh, direction, here's a bit of news that hasn't been making big headlines. Uh, on April the 15th, a professor, Johannes uh, at sorry at uh, at Johannes Gutenberg University in Mainz, which is near. Frankfurt in Germany, announced on its website and uh, Twitter feed that, that China actually has, has proven to be the place where wine made from grapes first started 9,000 years ago. And this is a very controversial bit of, bit of history. I, I, I mean, it's, it's got carbon-dated proof in this uh, study from Germany that an, an urn that was used for keeping wine in it with uh, uh, with remnants of, the, of a grape-fermented wine that was in it was discovered in central China. And it's the it, it now becomes the world's earliest trace of winemaking. Really? Previously, wine as we know it, yeah, wine as we know it today, made from grapes and fermented, has been argued to have started in different parts France? of the world. Different parties. Well, no, actually, I mean, that, that's certainly got the... Uh, 
the, the, the best modern history and is rated as one of the best producers in modern times. I mean, modern being the last two or three centuries, but it's thought to have originated, um, some people say, Italy, in Sicily particularly, Greece, Rome, Iran. I think I just lost oh, you. You know, it used to be part of the USSR. Go oh, on. Oh, really? Have you got me now? Yes, got you back. Yeah. Good, good, good. Well, so all of these different places have been vying to be the originator of wine production in the world. And uh, that's Italy, Greece. Ir- Sorry, I was going to say nobody wants to own up to be the origin of COVID-19, but for wine, oh, okay. Well, no, no, no one's clamouring for that particular accolade, no. <laughs> but, it's, but uh, ha, however, um, this, uh, this, this German professor, uh, whose name is Professor Kupfer, says that the oldest archaeological evidence that has been carbon dated to use wild grapes, their, their genome is seen to be wild. They weren't... Uh, made sort of by a man planted in rows and rows of vines as winemaking is done today Uh, yeah, dates back 9,000 years Um, so viticulture has has only been carbon dated to 8,000 years previously and that was Georgia, the uh, Eastern European country, so I don't uh, Yeah, we we probably won't hear that being disputed then, um, that that wine started in in, in China Um, (laughs) I'm just reading the article right now, that's so cool it is. It is. Yeah. And um, keeping on things of an alcoholic uh, nature, I think um, I will just to, to lighten things up a bit. Have you ever tried um, grappa? Just a little quiz here for you, Noreen. Have you, do you, have you ever tried the, uh, the spirit grappa? No, I haven't. Oh, OK. Well, so in, 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 uh, in Italy, it's enjoyed a bit like a, uh, a brandy, which... Uh, is which can be up to about uh, high 50s in percentage of alcohol. And uh, it's, I was going to ask you to do a, uh, a, a true or false, um, but, uh, but you, don't, you don't know the spirit, so I can't, I can't play that game, Noreen. Oh, so what I'll do, in, I'm what looking, I'll do I'm instead... I'm looking it up right now. So it's a grape base um, brandy? Yeah, it is. It is. It's. Um, I mean, it's. It's. I mean, I'm not a fan of it. Actually, it's kind of like fire water. Um, it's. It's a very rough. Uh, it reminds me of a brandy that I had that was made from fermented plums, uh, which comes from Eastern Europe, which uh, is called Slubowicz. and that's. Uh, and that is the roughest alcohol I've ever had. Oh, I, I, remember, I remember. Uh, I, uh, yeah, I remember that was a hard one to swallow. But uh, but grappa, grappa. Some people, Italian people, absolutely love it and treat it with reverence, like a brandy. It's but, like uh, up to sixty percent alcohol. That's yeah, a, that's, exactly. That's like hand sanitizer type of spray. Yeah, and you know what doesn't make it sound any better is that um, I was I was going to sort of quiz you on a true or false, but I'll just tell you that it's made. Uh, it, it ends up being a clear brandy because it's distilled. It goes through steaming and all sorts of things that makes it clear. So you don't get any of the colour of the uh, bits of grapes that uh, that might have given it colour that we see in wine. But it actually comes from, it was made like some of the best food and drink in the world. It was made by byproducts. I heard your previous guest talking about talking about using, you know, clothing more and more. Well, it, you know, the origins of grappa are quite... Um, sort of environmentally minded in a way but i think they were also uh just a way of making some uh 
easy and cheap alcohol from the byproducts of what makes wine. In essence, that's the leftover sort of mashed bits of grape that didn't make it into the wine mix that goes into those huge stills that make wine. It includes the pips or the seeds, the skins, and even the stems that uh, that you would normally, you know, unfortunately in modern life, you might throw away from table grapes that you eat. And so all of those things are put into uh, a uh, an, into a big container and mashed up, and that is then fermented and distilled. And so it's, in, it's interesting. I just came across uh, an article that was talking about you know this revered spirit in uh, in Italy, but it made me it just made me think that it's uh, one of those uh, areas where things are 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 made and by some people really held in high esteem. It's been made basically from stuff that might go in a bin in in, in production of wine in many places all over the world. Other parts of the world don't make grappa. So um, it's, uh, you know, it's just it's just Italy that does that. You've piqued my interest. I'd, I'd, maybe I'd like to get my hands on some and then try it. And if it doesn't work out, I can always uh, use it as hand sanitizer or something like that. Exactly. We'll look up some of those online recipes for, uh, for hand sanitizer. <laughs> exactly. Make your own gel. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Silver lining. Yeah. That was, that was about all I had for you, I'm afraid, today, Noreen. No, that's, it was, um, that's excellent. Um, remind our listeners yeah. once again, I'd like to know um, about uh, United We Bite. Where can we go to find out more? Yeah. So it's www.united, U-N-I-T-E-D, W-E-D-I-N-E, unitedwedine.hk. And there are still 80 restaurants there. Uh, and it's really a chance to both get a bargain for restaurants which would normally be about around average 25% higher priced for what they're offering. Um, they're set menus mostly. One or two of them are doing a discount off a la carte selection, but they are offering great deals and I'll be surprised if, if restrictions are lifted that we'll see this continuing uh, beyond the extension, which is now on until the end of May this month. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Andrew, and I look forward to uh, chatting with you next week. Thank you very much indeed. And that's Andrew Dembina, our food and drink correspondent. Thank you.